Hey, so it's our 10th episode, so we just want to thank everyone for listening and for uh, being a part of this little experiment that Carl and I are working on, and uh, we're really excited to see where it goes, and hopefully you are too. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, here's the show. Um, On March 9th of 1916, Pancho Villa led a group of about 100 Mexican revolutionaries across the U.S.-Mexican border into the U.S. in order to... uh, secure greater military advantages, read, steal military equipment, mostly horses, uh, to continue Villa's fight against the Carranza regime that the U.S. had propped up in Mexico. Uh, Villa captured some equipment and clashed with the U.S. military. They had three or four different clashes, mostly resulting in the death of U.S. military members. Uh, And then the U.S. government was able to chase Villa back across the border and didn't declare war on Mexico. Rather, they relied on the current support of the U.S. from the Mexican regime to enable them to cross the border and chase down Villa. Um, And once the U.S. forces were in um, Mexico, they were never able to find Villa, but were constantly protested by the Mexican people as an illegal intrusion into their home state by their powerful neighbor. Um, And so with all of uh, Dr. President Donnie T's uh, terrible decisions this week in regards to the Dreamer program. I think it's important to dwell on a time when the U.S. was in, the U.S. In, was invaded by a Mexican force and then chased that force back into back into Mexico, because what we absolutely can't do at this point is let Donald know that Mexicans can go back to Mexico because he might try and chase them there to stop them from being Mexican there. <laughs> Maybe he might actually just be like, oh, wall. Fight the other. He might, he might want to lead a, a ranging party south of the wall. He's just, yeah, I was going to say, he's just going to start the Night's Watch on the wall. Just, Which would actually, like, that would be kind of dope if, I mean, obviously he's not Danny Targaryen. That was uh, very clearly <laughs> Hillary Clinton's slay queen. Uh, I say oh, that with yeah. the heaviest of irony. Um, <laughs> but that, that'd be cool if Johnny T was Danny and then his fucking dragon got killed. We all know his dragon's tiny after that one debate. (laughs) Yeah, it is not a large dragon. No. Oh, Um, man. Something interesting, though, about that story, part of that military excursion by the U.S. was uh, the National Guard Regiment that we talked about when we talked about the Green Corn Rebellion. Yeah? Well, that's fun and interesting, and that's what this podcast is about, being fun and interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett And I'm Carl Roberts. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. And actually, you know what? Fuck all that. Uh, How about them Sooners, Carl? Uh, Boom Zoom. Boom Zoom. Uh, Get out of here, Shokayo State. Yeah, the Suckeyes, worthless to me. Go back to Ohio um, and eventually Canada because you're closer to Canada than Mexico and you're not Texas, so I can't tell you to go back to Mexico. So go back to Canada, suck eyes. 
Get out of here. All right. So this week in national news, and, and as we are recording uh, right now, uh, Hurricane Irma is making landfall in the Florida Keys. Uh, it went down to Category 3. It's back up to Category 4. Um, this is one of the, this is the second major hurricane to hit the U.S. Um, in the last few weeks. We had Her- Harvey hit Houston um, and the lower uh, Texas area um, a couple weeks ago. And then we had Irma, and now it looks like we're going to have Jose is going to be coming next. And, you know, it's, it's the time of year for this. It is hurricane season. The, the planet definitely does have, you know, seasons and responses. Um, but I think, you know, they're, they're, the very top, you know, we talk about some, some policy and some theory things, uh, but at the very top, you know, nature, nature be scary, nature be stronger than us, nature be mad sometimes, apparently. And all this carbon we've put in the atmosphere seems to have really, really upset these hurricanes. And uh, uh, they are taking it out on, um, I mean, it really seems like they're just trying to attack Republicans because they have attacked Texas and they've attacked Florida. And they'll probably try and hit the Gulf Coast next. And uh, it's not going well. No, it's 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 gone pretty uh, pretty terribly though. I do, I do think it's fitting that they attacked uh, when they hit Houston in a way because all the oil refineries are there, and they're like, "Well, uh, coming home to roost." Yeah, and, and Quite we're gonna came home to roost, and we're gonna get into that with uh, a discussion of some of the EPA's regulation of Superfund sites around Houston because, uh, like, not only is that kind of like a, a funny joke about it, but like it is also like pretty damaging because you're just polluting water like so powerfully when you have floods like that like that flood water from these hurricanes i mean it's not water it's sewage and you know chemical uh, waste yeah and you know everything like that that's coming up and you know there's lots of reports of you know don't let it touch you don't swim in it that's why you know people stand on their roofs and don't try and walk out is because like not only is it like dangerous deeper in places and like often impossible to do without a boat like it's also just poison water yeah it is not the same water you find in in your tap by any stretch of the imagination but i think you know on, on one hand you know these storms are getting, you know, it, it, it seems like every year it's the storm of the century. The storm, I mean, I mean, I heard Harvey called the storm of the millennium. Um, I remember very vaguely when uh, some of the things that happened when uh, Hurricane Andrew hit Florida. And I saw a comparison of Hurricane Andrew and Irma, and it, it looked so much smaller. I mean, Irma is massive. Um, Irma is, is, is the size of, like, central Europe. Like entirely, yeah. somebody overlaid it on it. It's it's Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Poland. All it, that's how big it is. That's yeah. huge. That's yeah. insanely huge. It's 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 a massive thing, and it's so incredibly dangerous uh, for the people who live there. Um, and I, I think you know this is a really great opportunity for us to talk one about how a response to global warming and climate change can be much more productive when we don't incentive when we incentivize things like helping the environment over profit because you know gas is really cool and like oil and cars are nice but like they're destroying literally destroying the earth at a rate so fast that it will affect if not me and you 
and people our age, millennials, it will affect our children. It will absolutely affect our children. Um, yeah, massively. And, yeah, and 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 like on one hand, you can talk about the response that way, and then on the other hand, I think it is important to talk about the response of saying that um, when you have these kind of natural disasters, you need a uh, a system that doesn't incentivize profit, but incentivizes people and like property. It's like a lot of times people think that like socialists and communists are just like, oh, we want all the stuff in a pile and everyone can have a little bit, but we want to control it. Like, no, like what we want to do is incentivize like people being alive and like good things for them and like not incentivize like, you know, making people pay companies to evacuate them um, or, you know, pay ridiculous amounts for, you know, certain like kinds of houses or generators within those houses to keep them okay. Yeah, I mean, I actually, there's some story that I saw, I think it was on, you know, it was on some left, left wing subreddit. Um, and it was about a, a family that burst into tears because they, they didn't get to the store somewhere in southern Florida on time to get a generator for their the, the grandfather and the family who needed a generator because his that. oxygen yeah, machine wouldn't work without a generator and he'd fucking die. And someone was nice enough to be like, oh, take my gener generator that I just bought. You know, you all can mm -hmm. have it. I don't know if they gave it or not. And it's like, that's really nice that that person did that, but it's really fucked up yeah. that we were going to leave somebody to die because they just didn't get to the store on time. Like, fuck you. You don't need the fucking generator as much as that person does. No one needs a generator as much as the person who's going to die without it. Yeah. They can't evacuate. Yeah, and I mean, I do understand the critique um, from capitalists of saying, you know, well, there is... Um, uh, you know, the, you know, people who have capital, you know, should be having the freedom to buy what they want and get what they want. And if they want to be safer, they can be safer. But like, when you're talking, like, like that's all well and good when you're in a theoretical perfect city and nothing ever happens and everyone's just working and having a good time. But when you have these kind of disasters like this, you have to allocate resources. And those resources are finite. It's like we talked about, you know, before, you know, the, these things, are, the resources are finite. Capital is infinite. You can make money. Like, you can just print it. Like, literally look at the stock market. But, like, in this circumstance, like, yeah, like, you can go to Lowe's and buy a $3,000 generator if you have one $3,000 in cash that you can drop on a dime, which, like, 80% of the U.S. population doesn't. Does not have. Yeah, like, I think, I, I've, I've seen statistics that say 60% of the U.S. has less than, five, or uh, between, like, 1000 and $500 in savings, and then, like, 20% of the U.S. has less than $500 in savings. So, you know, it's pretty... It, it, difficult for those people and then like at the same time like what if you are an elderly person who is on medicaid on a fixed income and you know you can't get that thing you need to do that because some rich dude bought it already because he wants to be able to play video games while the hurricane's going on and it's just absolutely ridiculous that we um incentivize it that way rather than actually looking at resource management and and to be entirely fair i do want to live in a world where the the sick old person that needs the machine gets it and also the person who wants to play video games during the hurricane gets it but you know we, right now we don't live in a world where we give a shit about people living or dying we give a shit about making profit instead of that and yeah. 
what I really want to talk about was this stunningly good article uh, before the hurricane by Branko Marchetic, the Jacobin published about how Cuba deals with this shit, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I mean, I think both of us aren't the hugest fans of Cuba, but we're not opposed to Cuba. You know, I don't, I, Cuba, I, Cuba's, I actually have a little bit of sympathy for Cuba. It, 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 we're moving on, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Cuba's, I, 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 I don't think I have, you know, any more problems with Cuba than I do with the U.S., even if they're different problems, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're different. It's, it's an okay place. Yeah. Um, but they, Cuba, you know, is, is trying to be some kind of socialist economy, right? Mm. And, um, they are listed by basically every, every international organization as like the model in the world for hurricane preparedness, right? And a shit ton of times, you know, we have hurricanes hit the U.S., a ton of people die, and people in Cuba literally don't die. They just don't die. No one dies. Like, in Hurricane Katrina, like, almost, you know, up to 1,800 people died in the U.S. Not a single person died in Cuba when the hurricane hit, when, yeah. when, Katrina, wow. when Katrina hit. It, that's, a, that's a stark difference. And the reason yeah. why that doesn't happen is because Cuba doesn't have an economy based on the profit motive. It's, it's really that simple, right? Mm -hmm. Cuba takes two days off every year to train people how to deal with hurricanes. Because they say, oh, lost productivity, who gives a shit? This is important that we make sure that people are safe. That comes before, you know, producing shit, right? Mm -hmm. Cuba promises that every single piece of personal property you have is going to be safe during a hurricane. And if it's going to get destroyed by the hurricane, they'll replace it at no cost to the person. So you don't have to worry about your property. And all these people who say, socialists just want to take your shit. Fuck you. You're literally yeah. wrong. Yeah. You're an idiot. Like, the, the army will actually go into parts of Cuba that are getting evacuated and, like, move furniture to higher ground so that it won't get, it won't be flooded. They, it, 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 like, that's crazy. Think about, think about what the U.S. government does. Like, when Florida said, hey, there's a mandatory evacuation required, they said, well, go stay with your friends and family. And Cuba didn't say go stay with your friends and family. They said, we have a place for you to go live in, and we're going to use the army to clear out your house so that your shit doesn't get wrecked. This this is worlds worlds beyond anything that I think we can imagine for the American government doing. Yeah, and 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 I and I, and I see hesitation in people. Well, I don't want to be told where I have to go. I don't want to be told. I don't want the, the government to come in and, and and go through my house and take my things. I don't want that. Blah 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 blah. blah. Like number one, it's like your shit's gonna get destroyed anyway. Like you're you're living in the path of a hurricane. Are you really think you're gonna be just chill? And like number two, like that like. The whole system is just, it is the exact same in the U.S. It's like, go watch videos of the Florida Keys. There's no citizens there, but there are still police there, which is the exact same function that the military is doing. There's still police knocking on doors, walking around, trying to make sure that people aren't there. I was watching uh, some live streams of traffic cams in the Keys because it was kind of eerie. There were just cops like individual cops like walking down the middle of empty streets and the, the hurricane hadn't hit yet so you know it kind of was idyllic and looked very clean and and pristine and yet there were these you know cops just walking it looked like a ghost ghost town with all the lights turned on and like i i get that those kind of hesitations but it's no different than what's going on in the u.s and 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 three um it, 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 it's actually pretty democratic. It, it is a process where, you know, your elected officials are making decisions. And I understand that the Cuban regime and like, that's part of like, 
all of my critique of the Cuban regime is that it is authoritarian in a lot of ways. But like those policy making decisions are still made by democratically elected peoples. And like that, like is a democratic process. And like, sure, it's not the greatest one in the world, but the U.S. Got, the U.S. political system isn't either. So that's not the end all critique for this. Like what we can really, what we should really be doing is looking at this and learning from their experimentation with how these things work, so that we can implement that on a better, uh, in in a better way and on a bigger scale and help more people. When it's also, I mean, just just so whenever we like whenever you talk about cops going around knocking on doors and saying you have to leave, the U.S. says you have to do that, but what if you can't go somewhere? What if you can't afford somewhere to go? Where are you going to go? You yep. need to have the money to get out yourself. You need to have a place you can go to where you can stay, or the government has to provide a shelter for you. You need to have all this kind of shit. And the Cubans say, fuck that. You want to get out? We're going to provide you a transit. We're going to do it in a much more orderly way so that everybody gets out and nobody's left here. And we're going to make sure you have somewhere to be at. And we're going to make sure that you have your basic services that you need too. So it's just, it's basically saying, let's do what we do in the US, but do it in a way that's better. And precisely what you're saying about it being democratic is that the Cuban government does a really good job of getting local people involved. They say, hey, we are doing this because we do two days a year of disaster preparedness to deal with the possibility of hurricanes. We have a method of communication here because our healthcare system works in a certain way. There's communication with people on the ground so that we know who needs help. And it involves local people in, in the process. And that, that's a form of democracy no matter what you want to say. You know, you can't, you can't talk about authoritarianism whenever the government comes in and says, hey, local communities, there's this problem that may come up. We want to solve it. Let's get you involved in telling us what needs to happen here so that we can make sure in the future your community can still function. Yeah. And that's the heart of democracy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And um, yeah, I think, I think the best way to categorize or like characterize uh, democracy is, you know, local people helping other local people. And that's what's going on. Um, and speaking of local people not being helped by other local people, um, old Donnie T this week uh, announced that he would be rescinding support for the uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Um, and so there are, I, I, I want to hit a couple news, newsy notes on the front end of this, and that is to say that so there's about 800,000 uh, dreamers, as they're called, in the U.S. right now. And while Donald has uh, pulled back his support for the program, what he's actually said is that he wants uh, Congress to come up with a legislative solution for this, because currently the legislative solution is deportation. Currently they are illegal immigrants and they would be deported under the scheme that uh, is established by Congress. But President Obama um, had put in the DACA program so that um, there would be an ability for um, you know these these kids to stay in the country that they've known their entire lives um, and, where they grew up. Yeah, and the rescinding of the program um, puts them in jeopardy. Um, and very importantly, too, like like the Obama program worked in a way where it said, hey, we want you to come out of the shadows here. Your parents are in a different case, but you, I mean, you didn't have any say over what happened when you're, you know, three or four. So we want you to come out of the shadows and we want to work on some kind of legal infrastructure so that you're registered, so that we know what you're doing, so that you can have access to certain kinds of services that normal, you know, anyone residing in America has, you know, not, not 
other services that only Americans get. And we want to just do something so that we could start dealing with this problem. So all these people registered and gave a lot of information to the federal government. And mm -hmm. because Donny Jesus now decided to end DACA because it's an entirely executive uh, branch program, a shit ton of people that said, we trust the American government, we trust that you all are going to treat us appropriately, so we're going to come out and say, hey, technically I'm here illegally, but I want to be working on a process to be here legally. I want to be working on a process to normalize my status so I don't have to live in the shadows. Like, the goodwill that they showed is getting thrown out the window. Yeah. Yeah, and um, not only that, as we've mentioned before, this this just doesn't do anything to help anyone. I mean, even if you are totally 100% opposed to you know, illegal immigration, and you think that this should be like, you know, a you know, you have some nationalist view of how, how citizens should be treated in the U.S., but, like, it, it, one, these are kids, so, I mean, you know, there, there was a strain that they put on the educational system in a lot of times, but what that 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 strain isn't so bad as to you know destroy everything, and not only that, but what really happens is they get a better education. They were afforded more opportunities in the U.S. than they might have been in wherever their families were from, and then they have an opportunity to give back to their community. I mean, you know, saying that these kids are putting such a great strain on you know systems is you 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 can just say okay, well then let's get rid of eight hundred thousand eighteen to you know, four-year-olds to 18-year-olds, just, it uh, doesn't matter, whoever they are. It, 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 it you know, if, if that was the program, it would just show that there isn't any compatibility, that it just doesn't make any sense, you know. And not only that, but, you know, these kids, they didn't choose to be brought here, and in a lot of cases, if you deport them, they don't have anywhere to go. Uh, you know, a kid who was brought here when they were six months old by their parents and has lived in the U.S. their entire life, when they're deported back to Mexico, where are they going to, who, who are they going to hang out with? Who are they going to go to? Who are they going to talk to? You know, maybe they don't speak Spanish. There's, there's, a, there's plenty of Hispanic people. And this is, I mean, this is also a thing with Vietnamese people. This is, this is a thing with basically any immigrant group where the parents speak one language and the kids grow up speaking English, understanding you know, whatever the, the language of their parents mm -hmm. is, but, but they don't necessarily speak it. They can't produce it. This is a really normal thing for, for any immigrant anywhere, illegal, legal, just, you know, it's a thing that happens when you have kids somewhere and they grow up hearing one language in the home and speaking another language outside. So sometimes you can't even speak the language of the place you're sending them to. They don't have any meaningful connection to it in the same way that their parents do because they, they don't fucking grow up there, you know? Yeah. If you come here when you're five, if you come to America when you're five and, and, you know, you start school in America, you have your friend group in America, you're used to how American cities are laid out, you, you understand how American law enforcement works, you understand how, you know, just everyday life in America works. That shit's hard whenever you're totally legal moving someplace else. I could tell you that as someone who has, you know, lived outside of the U.S., right? Like, that shit's hard whenever you're doing it easily. And, and, and to take somebody out of that situation... And, and put them somewhere and say, this is where you belong, even though you don't necessarily have any real cultural identification with it, let alone the kind of everyday knowledge you need. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's one of the most disgusting fucking things on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, not only that, but like, we, we talk about sometimes uh, how government uses itself to produce results. Uh, you know, the, the FBI 
you know, uh, works with susceptible individuals to not only, you know, get more prosecution, but to also, you know, create martyrs for uh, radicals to rally around. So all the 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 conservatives are waiting for is they i mean and i'm you know i've seen so many of these uh you know videos out there and stuff but they are dying for uh you know one of these dreamers to do something bad to get arrested to get caught up in a drug charge to get caught up in a in a in a, in a violent crime but the problem with like relying on that to be your metric to say like oh okay well these are bad kids they're not sending their best, as Donald T. would like to uh, say. But like the problem is, is that this is like like pulling this program. It is in it is in itself a violent expression of politics because like the only way these people like these people don't want to leave. So the only way they will leave is if the police get them, bind them, imprison them, and then deport them by force. Every single part of that action has to have violence in, involved. And so now what you're telling these kids is that they cannot trust any authority. They cannot trust their teachers. They cannot trust the, the they cannot trust doctors. They cannot trust EMTs or, or the EMS physicians. They cannot trust their police. So now you get insulated communities that are not interacting with community policing and, commu- and their communities at large because they are afraid of losing the rights and privileges that they have had their entire lives and that were guaranteed under certain programs. And so then, of course, of course, you're going to eventually have, when you isolate people like that and you push them down and push them out, you're eventually going to have a problem where there is a violent interaction somewhere because the, the violence is not on their end. The violence is, the violence is implicit. But it is on the government's end. Yeah, it's structural. It's 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 structural. The the yeah. main violence that's happening is there, and so like, and this is a really common thing in general for capitalists, I think, but especially for Republicans, because Republicans are, are much scummier than Democrats, no matter how scummy Democrats are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they 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 put people in shitty situations. People respond in a way that's shitty because they're in a shitty situation. And, and, and then they say, look, oh, these people are bad, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, what are you going to fucking do, huh? You know, yeah. how, how are you going to, if you can't walk down the, sh- if you can't feel safe around, you know, like fucking driving your car because you might get pulled over and deported. Not even, like, not even just what, that, how are you I mean, just going to work. How, how are you going to hold even down a good job if you can't drive to your job without being terrified that if how are anything you, happens, you will be deported? How are you going to be able to actually like, engage with your workplace meaningfully yeah. if you're afraid of that? Because this is, another, this is a tool capitalists use too, and this is super common in the U.S., where they take, you take somebody like working semi-legally or illegally in the United States, and you say, hey, I'm giving work, I'm doing this under the table, oh, I'm your friend, I'm trying to protect you, so don't ask for that wage increase. Don't join a union. And, and, and so it, it also affects other things, right? I mean, we're, we're socialists. We fight for workers' rights. We, we believe we should, workers should take over society and end all class division. And, and this is a really good job to make sure that workers can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, among many other things. Yeah. Yeah. And that is just kind of exactly what, you know, I think both of us have issue with here. And, and it just... It breaks down there, you know, it, when, when Donald Trump talks about the, the bad hombres, quote unquote, um, well, he is creating them. 
he is creating an environment where you know it's the same thing when we talk about you know f- you know food deserts in the and and you know bad infrastructure in the inner city is like when you turn no one turns to crime because the, you know they want to um you know it's not an easy way to be um there's been a rash of car thefts in um northeast oklahoma recently and i was listening to some people complain about it and i was just thinking like man like stealing cars is hard. <laughs> like that's like labor intensive work. Like I wouldn't do that. Like how much money can you possibly be making that like it, it, it justifies like backbreaking work? It's like I, I'm not saying that like that's morally good. Like it's not. Like people shouldn't steal things, and there should be consequences for people stealing things. But at the same time, like what position are you in where you're willing to engage in like difficult manual labor that's legal? Like, yeah, isn't that isn't it, that a structure issue? I mean, it's just it's it's just it's that classic Emma Goldman quote where it's like, if you want a job, you know, so you can buy bread, ask them for a job. If they won't give you a job so you can buy bread, take the bread. It's yeah. your right. Fuck off. Yeah. And, and mean, the other it, thing too is with importantly with DACA though, you can't be a criminal and be in DACA, you have to have a clean criminal record to be able to apply for the benefits of being in the DACA program. So it literally can't be bad people. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I think that's fucked up on a different level, and that's unimportant here. But it's like you can't you can't use this argument that immigrants are coming here and being shitty people, and we need to end DACA to protect Americans because you you can't be that kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and 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 not only that, but what it really does is when you have a program like DACA where you take good people who are working hard i mean there's a lot of university of oklahoma students and we're going to talk about that you know pretty quickly but you are actually incentivizing them being criminals it's like you were saying okay well you can't be legitimate you you don't have anywhere else to go so now you're going to be a criminal so you can get into our you know for profit prisons <laughs> yeah and then we can uh, exploit your labor Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, we, we wanted to talk about this in a national in a national way and kind of in a policy politic. What this you know why this is so violent and wrong. But then we wanted to get into some nitty gritty real uh, reporting on uh, how this is uh, what is occurring in Oklahoma. Um, and so the the very first thing. Um, I want to do, and this comes from some reporting by the Tulsa World, um, but the, I want to go through, so let's say you are a DACA recipient, and you're li- living here, you're a kid brought here uh, when you were um, uh, before the age of 15 um, by your parents without legal authorization, and so to qualify, you have to have been brought here before you were 15. You have to have completed high school, you have to have no criminal history, and you have to be working or attending post-secondary education. Okay, so already, you know what? I don't really know anyone who's not got their life together who, who isn't meeting those requirements. Like, I barely meet those requirements, and I've worked my ass off. I'm in graduate school, and, like, I barely don't have a criminal history. And, like, I didn't choose to be born here or brought here either. <laughs> Yeah, you had no say over your child. <laughs> yeah. And Neither so, did I. So, so these kids who are already, you know, way on their way to being productive members of American society. So under current law, um, and this is kind of what, you know, like we said earlier, what Donald did is he kind of said, well, we're ending DACA, so this is a, there's got to be a legislative solution. So under current law, 
if you're a DACA recipient and you want to become legal, you have to leave the country on your own. This is people who are in their early 20s. You have to leave the country. Carl, how hard was it to leave the country? It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's not easy to get in either. Yeah. It wasn't easy. It wasn't terribly easy for me to get in last time I came home. And I have a legal right to be in America. Yep. <laughs> like they literally can't deny me entry at the border. That's they a tried. law. <laughs> well, I had called them and told them you were coming and that you know, <laughs> they needed to really try and keep you out. But, you know, they do a terrible job. Um, so DACA recipient would have to leave the country. Then they have to ask for a pardon. So who are you getting a pardon from? Are you writing a letter from Mexico to Donald Trump saying, oh, I need a pardon, please? He's, he, his pardons are reserved very, very exclusively for Arizona sheriffs who torture people to death. For then, Arizona fascists. Yeah. So after you get your pardon, you have to serve a 10-year ban from the country. 10 years. You can't. So already, so we're saying, let's say you were brought here when you, you're, you're a 20-year-old, you're in... Uh, school at OU, your docker has been, you know, rescinded. You have to leave, you have to get a pardon, and then you have to stay wherever you are. You cannot come to the U.S. for 10 years. And then you have to apply for a visa and get on a waiting list, and some of those waiting lists are greater than 10 years long. Yeah, and those you have visas to have a quali- qualifying, uh, And then you have to be with a qualifying family or employer sponsor. So you have to, not only that, but then you have to reprove you have connections somewhere else, and you have to do all of that. In a lot of cases, like we said, when these kids go back, they don't necessarily have the infrastructure that they have. They haven't grown up around these people. You know, they might be moving in with a relative they've never met, an uncle they've never seen, and they have to, or they're on the street, and they have to do all of this to get back home. And I'm saying home. Like, they are trying to go home. America is their home. This is their home. I, I, had a, I had a friend on uh, one of the soccer teams I played on in middle school. Uh, we, we had a bunch of Hispanic people on our team and there was a guy and in 2007 we passed uh house bill uh 1804 in oklahoma that had like hyper restrictive insane uh things about um illegal immigrants in the state of oklahoma and there was this guy and a lot of them left and they moved to different states that had better um legal regimes to deal with illegal immigrants but there's one of the guys he's like i don't have anywhere to go Oklahoma is where I've grown up. Oklahoma is where I live. It's where all my family and friends are. And it's hard. Like, that house bill made it very hard to just be in a fucking car yeah. as, hi- as himself and for the other people in the car. And it's like, what are, you, what are you supposed to tell a fucking person like that? It's their home. Yeah. You know? I don't, yeah. don't want to be fucking kicked out of Oklahoma, god damn it. <laughs> I don't want to have that choice. Yeah. And that's because I grew up there. It's not because I'm. It's not because I'm a citizen of Oklahoma. It's not because of some legal shit. It's your home. You want to be able to come back and <clears throat> smoke cigarettes by the Guthrie Green, and you want to be able to go see a show at the Canes, and and you know, I'm trying to think of a good place to get a greasy hamburger, but there's you and you and go get a Coney. A Whataburger, come on. Yeah. Mm. Well, the hurricanes have, or not hurricanes, the tornadoes have been attacking Whataburgers in Tulsa recently, so we're yeah, it's true. It's clear, true. But um, so a, a, a few more numbers here. Um, currently, we've got about 7,500 Oklahoma residents that have been accepted into DACA. So, I mean, you know, when when you really think, like, I I try and humanize those kind of statistics as much as I can. There's about 17,000 people eligible for DACA um, in Oklahoma, but I I I really want to try and humanize those elements as much as I can because 
um, it is when you think about 7,500 people, like, that's a lot of people. And not only that, but like, we're talking about people who now every, all 7,500 of those people have to be wary of every police interaction they can, they ever have. And that just, that in and of itself is so incredibly dangerous to community welfare. It really is. And when you think about the fact that we have 7,500 Oklahomans who, no matter how good a policeman is, no matter how great he is, they can't trust him or her. Well, and already, already, oftentimes they're people of color. Yeah. And you're compounding the problem because, of, of course, I don't fucking trust cops and I'm white. Um, and, and already, I you work know, with too many cops and not trust them. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I mean, and of course, that's a thing with people of color for every reason under the sun to not trust. Yeah. Me. And then you put this on top of it. So it's not just, oh, you might shoot me if I just do something totally normal. That's like very acceptable behavior. It's it's I might get arrested and deported to somewhere I've never been in my life. Yeah. You know, that I don't ever remember having been to. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, and you know, just to, again, refute the Republican line of reasoning that, you know, um, these are, you know, worthless people. So, out of DACA eligible people, this isn't this isn't this isn't actual people who have been accepted. These are just DACA eligible. There's about two million young adults who are considered DACA eligible in the U.S. right now, and out of those, three quarters of them are in the workforce, and a quarter of them are enrolled in college. It's like that's a hundred percent. I mean, like, do you like? Can you think? I mean. Carl, can you think of another statistic where, or another group of people that you can lay that on other than like white middle class boys? Like, there's just, no. just like this. That's an amazing role. Well, and it's also, it's like, what do you, you know, what do you want? Like, these people are working uh, hard, of course. They're they're paying taxes because especially in a state like Oklahoma where a large amount of state revenue and especially local revenue comes from sales tax, you're paying that tax, it doesn't matter your legal status. If you want to buy something at a store, you pay that, right? Yeah. So they're feeding they're feeding resources into our local community. They're doing work that needs doing in Oklahoma. Or they're getting a degree so that they can do more work. They're getting educated. Yeah. I mean, what more there are plenty of Oklahomans I know. I I I have a a a guy I know that, um, I mean, he has rich parents, sure, but he never fucking worked a real day in his goddamn life. He's a fucking bum. He doesn't do shit that's valuable. He's a perfectly normal American. Nobody's fucking complaining about him because his parents are rich. Fuck yep. that guy. These people are working hard. These people yeah. are adding to our community. They're not fucking yeah. loafing around drinking at, you know, 10 in the morning on a Tuesday. Yeah. They're doing shit. Yeah, and, and it just... It kind of boggles the mind when you try and wrap your head around, okay, so then why? <laughs> then why? And um, uh, OU President David Boren had, a, had a, released a statement, and I, uh, I wanted to at least quote part of it. He calls it uh, un-American and grossly unfair. And I entire like that is... Uh, the essence of how I feel about this is just, it, it's not American. These, these are people who came here for a better shot and not only that, but they're, they're like, you're hurting our community. Their parents came here for a better shot. Yeah. They didn't come here for a better shot because they didn't have a say in that decision. Yeah. And, 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 and even then, we're hurting ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot by getting rid of these people who are working hard. 
it's like communities need hard work. Like everyone tells me, oh, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You got to be a hard worker. You got to be loyal to the company. It's like these are people who do that. Like if you wanted a group of people. You have to do that to be a part of this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just grossly unfair because like you said uh, earlier, you know, these are people who trusted the government, gave them information about themselves, came out of the shadows, so to speak. And now we're just yanking the, you know, you know, yanking the blanket off them. And uh, Bourne went on to reference uh, your friend, Senator Langford, um, who says we, who, who said that we, we shouldn't par- punish the children for the decision of their parents. And even that, I, I, I like a lot of what David Bourne has to say. I've actually been really impressed that even in Oklahoma, he has stood up and said some things um, several times that have um, really enlightened me and really in, made me feel good about things. And even that kind of makes my skin crawl, though, because we don't punish children for the decisions of their parents. It's categorizing the parents as the bad people. Oh, and, like, I get it, but, like, these are people who came here. Like, like, like it's not easy to be an illegal immigrant. You have to walk through the desert. I couldn't walk through the desert. I would fall asleep. There are not enough cookies in the desert for me to go walking fucking, through it. I, I walked through the Utah desert for an hour one time, and I genuinely thought about laying down and saying, life is over now. It's a fucking hour. It wasn't even the middle of the summer. It's hellish. <laughs> Nobody fucking does that just on a lark or to get some bullshit. You know, like that, you do that because you feel like you cannot be safe at Where home you anymore. Are. Or you yeah. cannot live at home anymore. Yeah. That your kids are going to starve, that you're going to starve. And yeah, it's just absolutely, it's hurting our communities. And and like I said, I just, these are people who want to be a part of America. These are people who want to, you know, give back to their communities and to, you know, do something about that. And I, I, I do think it's important to say that, you know, DACA is directed at people that are, that are, you know, clearly acceptable members of, of American society by anyone's standards. And I think it's very important to say that even the worst people should receive these kinds of protections, in my opinion. But you can't. There's literally no space to complain about DACA people. The yeah. only reason you could ever make an argument against like DACA people receiving protections is because you're a fucking racist or you're too dumb to open your mouth and talk. Those yeah. are the only two options that could explain it. Well. <sighs> All right, to move forward past the DACA screaming, we, uh, we are coming up on a special legislative session in, in Oklahoma. And, uh, Carl, I think you're pretty excited to talk about this one, too, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. So the Republicans that are in the control of the House um, and the Congress and the executive branch and the judiciary of Oklahoma have once again... Failed to fund the government. <laughs> Fundamentally, three strikes you're out on the cigarette fee, and yeah, not now they can't pay for shit. Now they can't pay for shit. But, but, but before we even get into the nitty gritty of this, I just want to note that <laughs> you know sometimes I talk. We talked about the untenable nature of some of the policies that even you know, congressional Republicans on the national level are unable to back uh, some of the tax cuts that they're saying is basically a deep on the government. It's like Oklahoma Republicans have gotten to a point where um, <laughs> like they're, they're so they're, they're obstructionist to themselves. 
they're they're so refusing to do anything. They want such a like I, I such a like a, a quote unquote small government. Like it's not like they want more police and they want police to have bigger guns and they want police to have more authority to and go they want houses, more army and they want more army and they want more shit like that. But they just are just, just gutting anything that has to do with education or um you know healthcare. Um, and instead of, you know, it, it is just so amazing that these guys who are all supposedly on the same side, it's like, you know, when you run the argument, you know, you, sometimes you say like, you know, you run the argument ad infinitum, you run it all the way to its natural conclusion. Like, okay, we're here. <laughs> they can't fund the government. It, it's just not an efficient policy. And like, that's like, one of the, the great hopes I have for socialism is that it is just so efficient and so correct as a policy that eventually we'll just have to. And we already have, I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, education and healthcare are two great examples of where it's just like, look, this is just like, uh, it's, it's inefficient to do it the other way. And eventually you have yeah, to Yeah, like, the more wealth redistribution there is, the better it functions. Yep. Surprising. Yep. yep. And so, yeah, there are some holes in the budget, and they tried to fix it with the healthcare, or with uh, the cigarette tax and the automobile tax. But those things are, like, these, like terrible things. Like, th- th- that doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we taxing cigarettes? Why are we taxing... We talked about the cigarette tax quite a bit. Like, why are we taxing cigarettes? Why are we taxing cars? When what we could do, build some solar energy or some wind energy and tax that, or tax oil at all, or... Fucking int- actually tax oil. Yeah, yeah, introduce a tax scheme that actually, like is is representative of the wealth of this uh state it's just you know fucking soak the, we could soak the rich <laughs> that's an option yeah it's just very obvious that they have no interest in actually fixing the problem but just putting these little patches on it to keep it going as long as they can and the patches never fix the issue because, and so instead of trying to deal with the issue, what they, they're going to do is just cut state programs. They're just going to cut teacher funding. They're just yeah. going to cut health care. You know, and we've talked about a lot about education and healthcare in Oklahoma and given a lot of you know, numbers on those things. And it's just when you look at the, the reduced ability of uh, Department of uh, Health and Human Services in Oklahoma to respond to the needs of their constituency, it's disgusting that we can't that, that that's what we choose to cut not police budgets not military budgets not taxing oil not taxing not, not subsidies for oil yeah not incentivizing you know growth of the economy through introduction of another resource like green energy it's just mind-boggling it's fucking insane yeah it is even just... even and even republicans uh, uh, th- this uh, representative Marcus McIntyre and okay at the OK Policy Institute, which is a left-leaning institute, at mm-hmm. least for Oklahoma, yeah. wrote a thing where he's like, we can't fucking do this anymore. We have to get party that the one that requires a 75% supermajority or a referendum to raise taxes because like we can't literally can't run the government. And he says he says like very explicitly when he's talking about this, he's like, I don't like taxes, but we can't have a society if we don't have a state government that can fund schools, can fund helping poor people that need health care, yeah. can do its basic job. Yeah, mm. it's just, like, you know, 
there's just nothing to even break down with the Republicans because it's just, it's the same, you know, um, preservation of the status quo. It's just, well, we don't want to have to do anything that's going to change anything and things are already bad, so I guess we'll just let them get worse. It's just, you know, all of these policies and all of this politic that they follow, it just is inane, and I, I, I wonder sometimes that I'm missing some secret piece of the puzzle that I don't understand, and I just, I can't find the logic. I mean, I can, I can if I just go, all right, they're incentivizing capital, and they don't care, and they hate everyone, uh, well, people of color and women, um, and anyone who's not cisgendered, um, but it's just, I, I just can't believe that they're only motivated solely by hate, but it really seems like they are. I, and I, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, I, maybe they're just greedy. Maybe they just don't understand on a fundamental level what their policies do. It's just, it, it, it's not, I mean, it, it, it's pure it, ideology. There's no other phrase for it. Like, yeah, Zizek is right. Mind it's got. just pure ideology. Mind got. <laughs> and I mean, it's so, and this is something we've, I think we've talked about it like fucking five times now. Like when she calls the special session, we have to see what she calls it for what she calls it to do. The Democrats have said, no, we won't support a fucking cigarette tax. And then to all also do other taxes so that we can just fund basic services in our government so that we can have teachers that want to stay in the state, etc. And all the fucking news you read coming from local shit is people saying, fucking Democrats won't support the cigarette. What the fuck is wrong with them? Like, just shut the fuck up, man. Okay? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Except the fact that you're going to have to raise taxes to get the one fucking vote you need from Democrats. Yep. You need one. Or you need one. You have to convince one person. And one person. You have to make or or fucking convince all the Democrats and have, you know, the third of the Republicans that are basically like, you know what would be a good idea for a healthcare system if we fed people making less than $30,000 a year crocodiles or some shit, right? Yeah. Fuck those people. Fuck those people. Just let them go. Get the but, Republicans and say, we need roads for business to vote with Democrats on, on passing any kind of legislation. But like that, it, it, it <clears throat> so sometimes, like I said, we, we, we try and figure out what's going on in their brains. Like, how can they even incentivize, like, how can they even just like really cut DHS and education to allow rich people to have more money? It's just like, like but, but like, you think you just touched on a really good point. It's like, they would never, ever, ever kill the working proletariat. If they need them. They need them. They would yeah, they, never they make less than $30,000 to, to, to crocodiles because everyone making less than $30,000 is doing 80% of the work of this, uh, in this state. Yeah. If not, way more. If not, if way, not more. way more. And, and, and the other thing, I mean, at the end of the day, the other thing, too, is, like, you all can't fucking do this shit. You all literally can't. You need one vote, and you can't figure it out. Like, how dumb are you as a group of people? Pretty like, dumb. you don't understand. You don't understand anything that's going on if you think like this, you know? And they're fucking sitting here saying the exact... It's just, it's just like, this is, this is what happens when you don't fucking fund education, is you get these idiots in public office that don't have a basic understanding of math. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, it's okay. Like, hold oh, on. If you're gonna if you're gonna allocate this much funding, you need to have the revenue to cover it. I like, I don't, don't know. Don't fucking math. sit here and talk about. 
And this isn't even knowing that. This is just saying if you're gonna fucking something. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh, well, I don't want to read Texas. I just want to vote this program. In. Like, fuck yeah. off. Yeah. At the end of the day. It's ridiculous. I'm sick and tired of fucking talking about it. I'm sick and tired of talking about it. Well, you then know? how about we move on to something that will make you scream even a little bit louder? Uh, and uh, yes. this is, uh, this is uh, our, our, cons- our conservative reading list for the week. And I, the conservative reading list, I guess if it was what we, actually what we were reading, it's a uh, press release by a one uh, old Oklahoma attorney general, Mr. Scotty Pruitt, and uh, he's now head of the EPA, and um, appointed by uh, old Donald Trump. Uh, good, you know, got Environmental Protection Agency, got to get a climate change denier. That's, that's basically how it goes. And where do you find climate change deniers? Oklahoma. And, Oklahoma. And... I, uh, but before we get into this, I want to say that I got some of this reporting from the, the Lost Ogle, and if you guys have not checked out, if you guys are living in Oklahoma and you don't know what the Lost Ogle is, uh, go to their website. It is awesome. Uh, very left-leaning, and it just ravages all kinds of uh, politics in Oklahoma. It's a really cool, really cool website to go uh, do some reading, um, but I want to jump into this, and so... Basically, what happened was, is that the Associated Press sent some reporters to investigate uh, the Superfund hazardous waste sites um, in Texas. There's like a little over 40 uh, sites that were hit by Harvey, um, and several of those sites were pretty badly damaged. And so the Associated Press, doing what reporters do, being a watchdog on government, they went and they just went to see what was going on. And at and, and some points, at some parts, they took boats. They uh, went really out of their way to get to these places. And they found that several of these sites had been filled with water and had been uh, pretty badly damaged. Uh, but that it didn't appear that the EPA under Scott Pruitt had done anything about it. <laughs> they were just going to let this happen. And like we said earlier, that, that, you know, these are hazardous waste sites. These are nuclear waste in some some circumstances and not just that but it's oil waste too and he just hadn't done anything let about it go it. well hey that's in the poor neighborhoods so it's okay only poor people get hurt who gives so, a shit so mr pruitt and his team at, over at the epa um they released a press release and there's a couple cool things in it number one um <laughs> i'm gonna get to the the real yelling in a second but number one, I want to say, and this is I, um, but the number one is that, so he said, well, we looked at satellite images. They didn't look that bad. So the Environmental Protection Agency has hazardous waste sites that are filled with water that is disseminating, the, the, you know, the groundwater is disseminating into neighborhoods. It's literally water. It floats. It evaporates. It moves. And these are hazardous waste sites. And he said, well, we looked at the satellite images. That's fine. That's fine, Carl. Uh, also, also, what's a hurricane? It's a shit ton of clouds, motherfucker. Well, Scott Pruitt doesn't like believe the whole in time the hurricane was over there. You you couldn't use the satellites to see what was going on because of this stunning thing called cloud. You dense fuck. Dense is a good word for Mr. Pruitt. Um. <laughs> And so, like, that's just on one little, 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 pretty tasty. But the tastiest, tastiest, tastiest part of this is that he went on in the press release to say that one of the reporters who had worked on the reporting, how could he have done what they said he'd done 
because he lives in Washington, D.C., and that's where he reported from. Okay, so Mr. Pruitt doesn't understand how bylines work, but there were three reporters who worked on the story. Two of them were in Houston and went in person to check those, and then they had an editor who got a byline on there because he was working from D.C. helping them write the story. But Pruitt doesn't understand any of that because what he did is cited an article from the Oklahoman's editorial board uh, claiming that that reporter, he wasn't trustworthy. I, I don't even know where to begin with this because my head hurts. The, Oklahoma, the Oklahoman editorial board is about as trustworthy as a rattlesnake that is going to bite your dick off. I'm going to be entirely honest. Are you, are you going to be kind to that rattlesnake? Or are you going to do what needs to be done and fucking say, no, no Mr. Rattlesnake, go away now? That's, that's what everybody should be doing with Oklahoma. I, I'm saying it again. Boycott the fucking Oklahoman. Side I, issue I keep having to go back to their website to get articles because I don't know what to do anymore. But like, I just, you know, sometimes I, I, I see government as like this big thing that, you know, people, you know, you, you gotta talk about, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, government's so large. It's so big, blah, blah, blah. But like in this example, it just shows like Scott Pruitt just reads the Oklahoman. He doesn't get news from anywhere else. If the Oklahoman says it, he thinks it's trustworthy. And like to the point that he like, releases statements under the government's letterhead, under the Environmental Protection Agency's letterhead, citing the Oklahoman. I mean, it's just not, it's just not, like, I, I, I just blows me away. It's not logical. Not even, the, not even citing the Oklahoman, right? Citing the editorial board of the Oklahoman to talk about how one journalist who wasn't doing on-the-ground on reporting is clearly not trustworthy because his job is not on-the-ground reporting. like. How is this guy running the EPA if he can't fucking, he doesn't have like a, a high school level understanding of how to read for yeah. Christ's sake. And, and like, let's not like, I, I am, I'm thoroughly and fully convinced that climate change will be the greatest issue we face in the next hundred years. I, I am entirely convinced of that. I think that, um, it will eventually have, we will have to deal with some harsh realities of the way we've been living and the way our, our government and our society is structured, specifically that capitalism is pretty inefficient and that when New York, D.C., Florida, and L.A. and San Fran are underwater because of rising sea levels, we're going to have to figure some things out and we're going to have to make decisions that are not based on profit. And Scotty Pruitt does not understand what's going on. He doesn't fucking get it. He doesn't get it. He's too stupid to be able to read newspaper. This is a newspaper article he can't read right. This is not even not an academic piece of work. This is just fucking look at who wrote the. There's an and. The and means they both did it, Scott Pruitt. That's what it means. But it might have been Fuck. an ampersand, and he might have got confused. He might have thought it was just a cool squiggle line. Fucking ampersand has and at the end of the damn word. I I never knew. I never put that. Ampersand. Oh my god. You're right. Ampersand has the word and at the end. Why don't they just call it an and? An and symbol. Yeah, it's so easy. You know, Scott Pruitt is one of those people. I Scott Pruitt is is the perhaps the person. And and this was also a thing for me when Mary Fallon was considered for for Trump's VP, which would have been fitting in a way. Oh man, it would have been great. Scott, it's like you know, 
when when certain people leave Oklahoma to go to the national government, I'm always happy that they're leaving Oklahoma. They're sad that they have a much more influential position. And I just, I don't know how to judge this, because motherfuck the country. I, I once got pulled out of Oklahoma. But also, we need an adult who knows how newspaper bylines work running BPA. So oh I thought, hey, you win some, you lose some. Houston is now a toxic wayside. Yeah. Well... It's been a good uh, show this week. Hey, I want to make a quick apology real fast. There was a portion of the show where there was some pretty hectic dog barking. Um, and I'm going to see what I can do about it. But I hope you guys like my dogs. They were trying to get on the podcast. Um, maybe next week we'll just do an interview with a dog and see how that goes. Um, Honestly, I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> um, we, need, we need more free milk bones, Adam. That's what socialism <laughs> is here, okay? I'm a milk bone socialist. It's like champagne socialist, but for dogs. Oh my it's god, my I want to be a milk bone socialist so bad. <laughs> that might be the first t-shirt. From we each, make. <laughs> from e- each good boy according to his ability to each good boy <laughs> according, according to his, to his need. need. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Well, you can find us over on Twitter at Red Star over OK. We've got a subreddit. You all know about it. Our Red Star over Oklahoma. Uh, comments, complaints. We're going to post the... Uh, uh, yeah, conservative reading um, list. We're, we're going to post that... that uh, post that ogle. And then, uh, yeah, and, and Pruitt's... Um, I'm um, bad at reading and don't understand how newspaper work. Press release yeah, there. Yeah, um, that press release is um, within that lost ogle story, too. Um. You can listen on SoundCloud, you know, you know who it is, Red Star over Oklahoma, iTunes <laughs> the same, and then yeah, questions, comments, complaints, um, any crude pictures you want Carl to see, you can either contact over Twitter or redstaroverok at gmail.com, and uh, that's um, about it. Guys, don't, don't forget, rate and review us on iTunes, oh, yep, right tell your you. friends, tell your friends to listen to us, it's great if they're into this kind of shit, they'll love the show, and if they're not and you don't like them, they won't be friends with you anymore. So, yeah. like, two birds, one fucking stone if you, if you give this out. And really, yeah. if they don't like the show and they're your friend... You need to reconsider. They're, they're kind of Scott Pruitt snaky. Like, let's, let's be <laughs> real here. Uh, yep, yeah, so go tell your friends. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. Bye.